as they move from that contrasting uh, uh, lifestyle and how they were living to what the epistles came to be and how people came to live as Christians, you're going to see that there are some vast differences. Now, one of them being, uh, there's a pastor goes through uh, his series with spiritual gifts. And we see that spiritual gifts seem to change as you look in the book of Acts and you look uh, throughout the epistles. And so we want to take some time and focus on that. We want to understand uh, also that the same uh, commandment that was given early on to those believers uh, that were uh, there after Christ's death, burial, and resurrection uh, was given to us, that we love one another, right? But uh, as you look throughout the book of Acts, it seems like there's some help to those believers loving one another, right? And so why did they gather and have everything in common? Why did they live that way? Why do we not live that way now? Should we be in some compound somewhere uh, <laughs> sharing all of everything that we have? Everyone says absolutely not. <laughs> oh, we're going to see if scripture says that. Or, are we living in the right way? <laughs> you guys should probably give up your whole salary in weeks. So we should just go and form some compound <laughs> somewhere. No, don't let me uh, speak blasphemy from the pulpit. But uh, we're going to look at these things and understand uh, what, what are some of the results of where, people's, uh, where people start from. Now, uh, I was told this early on, I'm not going to tell you by whom, uh, you might guess, <laughs> your, your conclusions are going to be affected by where you start from, right? And so if you start from a basis that this is fact, when you end up over here, it's going to be affected by that basis from where you started. And I think a lot of the churches today and a lot of the people today are living in a way that they're living. And we might think, hey, these things seem a little different. They don't line up with scripture. Well, there's a reason for that. It's where they started their basis. Now, uh, one of the things that uh, I often joke about, I think I do it at least three times a month because it's funny to me, <laughs> but as the pastor was going up to Detroit, what did they ask him? Holy. <laughs> Is he holy? <laughs> now, why did they ask him that? <laughs> they, they did want him to be holy. But don't we see in Scripture that it says that we're holy as a result of the work of Christ and not things that we've done? Where would they have come up with this idea that, that there's a need for someone to, to basically work out holiness in real time? Well, this is <laughs> there you go, Brother Scott. <laughs> yes. Well, no, I don't think I'm assuming. <laughs> I think I would be correct in that assumption if I were assuming. Uh, but we're, we're going to look at these things. I, I think the book of Acts is, is sometimes neglected because... As you're studying uh, through things that are applicable to the Christian life, this book doesn't always come up because there are all these transitional things that happen uh, in the book of Acts. So we'll spend an awful lot of time there if I do decide to go forward with this study. Um, and then we'll look at some of the differences that we see uh, in the epistles. Uh, but one of the things I wanted to do today is go back and look at the basis for the things that they uh, were began to do there in the early church and understand that a, a big part of this is from the disciples. 
And what they saw from the Lord and what he prepped them for uh, is as uh, for after his death, burial and resurrection. So we're going to spend a little time in the book of John today, as well as uh, the first chapter of the book of Acts. Now, do remember here that as you get to John chapter 21, the Lord is already resurrected. And so he's uh, speaking to these disciples here and he's got some information for them and particularly to Peter. And, and it's interesting some of the things he has to say to Peter. Uh, but let's bow in a word of prayer and we'll get started. Father, we're grateful for this day uh, and great, grateful for the grace that you've provided to us. Uh, grateful that uh, we can understand how to live uh, in this life. And a big part of it is your word and reading and understanding your word and what it has to say about yourself. Uh, as we've learned through the, the study of your nature, uh, it, it is very important uh, for us to understand what you have to say and not superimpose uh, what we think and what we uh, think things should be uh, into your word. And as we listen to your word, uh, the Holy Spirit is able to take those words from Scripture and able to make them uh, real to us. And we can have a, a genuine understanding of what you desire for us to do and what you desire for us to be. Uh, so as we uh, look through your word today, might we uh, avail ourselves to the, the words that are in Scripture and be in a place spiritually where the Holy Spirit can uh, take those words and make them real. We pray, pray this in your son's name. Amen. All right. And so as we uh, come over uh, to chapter 21, uh, now remember back here that Peter and the disciples have departed back to those things that they did before. They, they aren't in the right place, I would think, in mind state of, of knowing what to do. Now, they've been told of the Lord all of the things that are going to happen. And, and we might think as we look back on them, boy, these guys weren't the brightest lights on the Christmas tree, right? Uh, he's told them over and over again what's going to happen, that he's going to die, that he's going to raise again. And they, it just doesn't seem to register to them. And so what do they do as a result of these actions? They go back to what they know to do. They go back to fishing and on with their lives. And so he has to come and appear before them uh, to give them more instruction. Uh, pick it up in. Pick it up in verse seven. It says that therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter. Oh, well, let's go back just a little bit more. Sorry. Uh, pick it up in verse three. It says, uh, Simon Peter saith unto them, speaking of the disciples, I go a fishing. They say unto him, we also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately. And that night they caught nothing. But when the morning uh, was now come, Jesus uh, stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not it was uh, Jesus. Then Jesus said unto them, children, have you any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast a net on the right side of the ship, and you shall find. They cast therefore, and now there, uh, excuse me, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said unto uh, Peter, It is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter uh, heard it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked. And they'd cast himself into the sea. Now, uh, you see with Peter, he's always at the forefront and always ready to jump out there and, and go to the Lord. Uh, and so he does it here as well. 
Um, it says in verse eight, and the other disciples came in a little ship for they were not far uh, from land, but as it were uh, 200 cubits dragging the nets with fishes. As soon as, uh, as soon then as they had or were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid thereon and bread. Jesus said unto them, bring the fish or bring of the fish, which you have caught. Simon went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes and a hundred and fifty and three for all uh, there were so many yet the, uh, not yet was not the net broken. Jesus said unto them, come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, who art thou? Knowing it was the Lord. Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and the fish likewise. This is the third time that Jesus showed himself uh, the dis- showed himself to his disciples after he was risen from the dead. Now you understand here that this is again not the first time that he showed himself to them, even after they, after he had risen. And so it's interesting that Peter uh, says that I'm going back to my lifestyle of fishing. Now this is uh, in the language there. This is not something he just decided. Oh, it's a good day. I feel like I'm going to go out and go fishing. The sun is out. It's, it's a beautiful day. I think I can catch some fish today. No, he went back to the lifestyle that he knew before he met with the Lord. And so this is what he was going to do. And three times, three times the Lord had appeared to them after his resurrection. So you might say, what's wrong with you guys? Don't you know there's something more for you to be doing? Was your ministry only when Christ was here? Uh, And it would seem that they thought that in verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus said unto Simon, Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, you knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, feed my lambs. Now, this is an interesting interplay here and something you will not uh, obviously see in the English. He asked him. Do you love me? And in the English, it's just a word for love, right? But we have two different words that are stated here uh, in the Greek. And so you see uh, this first word for love is a word for agape. And Peter says unto him, you know that I'm fond of phileo you, the word that has feeling behind it. Now, a lot of people will differ on what they think about this, but I have my own opinion. I think that Peter, by saying that he has feelings for the Lord, thought that he was doing something better and thought that he was saying that I have a higher love for you than this agape love. And the Lord is showing him that your emotional love is not comparative to this agape love that you can have. It's a higher form of love that can be transferred to you by the Holy Spirit. Oops. Um, And then in verse 16, or excuse me, at the end of verse uh, 15, he says unto him, uh, feed my lambs. Verse 16, he saith unto him a second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me, agape? He saith unto him, yea, Lord, you knowest that I love thee. And he saith unto him, feed my sheep. He saith unto him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him a third time, lovest thou me? And he saith unto him, Lord, you knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. 
Now this third time that he asked him, he says, do you even love me? Do you even phileo me? Do you even have fondness for me? And so uh, one of the things that we're going to see as we look at this agape love, and the pastor has alluded to it, when you have the right frame of mind spiritually, this phileo will flow <laughs> from uh, the right place as far as your spirituality. So that it's not just this love where it's changing. You can be fond of somebody and, and I'm fond of you today and, and tomorrow you make me sick. I don't even want to deal with you anymore, right? That, that's fluctuating. It can go up and down. It changes with your emotions. But when your emotions are properly dictated spiritually, as we saw over in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 39, where we have the ability to uniquely possess our souls, it's going to flow the right way. Right. And as you're not spiritual, now it's going to fluctuate. Right. It'll be that oh, I love you today. I hate you tomorrow. Why are a lot of our, our marriages not working out right here in America? Because people don't have the ability to love in the way that they're supposed to love. And this is even within the church. I think there's a large uh, amount of divorces that are even occurring within the church. And why? Because we can't love out of our own flesh and out of our own desires and out of our own uh, will. And so you'll see a lot of phileo today. I love you. You made me happy. You did what I wanted you to do. So I love you tomorrow. You didn't do what I wanted you to do. You make me sick. I don't want to see you anymore. And it goes up and down like that until you can't go on that merry-go-round anymore and somebody's got to jump off. Uh, and so what the Lord is, is posing here for Peter is there is an opportunity that you're going to see very soon from now with the coming of the Holy Spirit that you have the opportunity to love in a different way. You're going to have the opportunity to display agape love. And that's a higher form of love than this fluctuating uh, emotion that we see. In verse 18, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, when thou wast young, thou girdest up thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou uh, shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This he spake, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he uh, had spoken this, he said unto him, follow me. Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loveth following, uh, which also leaned on his breast at supper. Now, I don't need to go into this, but it's just funny to me, so I have to. Um, and so he sees John there leaning on the Lord's breast at supper and said, Lord, uh, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith Jesus, uh, or saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? <laughs> and so he says, uh, look here, you've given me this projection of what's going to happen to me. What about him? <laughs> what's what's going to happen with him? Uh, in verse 22, he says, uh, Jesus saith unto him, if I will or if I desire that this man tarry until I come, uh, what is it to thee? Follow you me. And so he's saying, it's none of your business what's going to happen to this man. You do what I've asked you to do and you're going to glorify me in such a way. Uh, and so we see a, a very interesting ending uh, to this chapter of John and a very appropriate statement made by the Lord as to what's possible. What's going to be possible for these disciples in the near future? And so with this in mind, we come into the book of John. 
and understand uh, that these disciples still aren't quite understanding what they're supposed to be doing moving forward. And so pick it up in uh, chapter 1 and verse 1 of Acts. And so Luke, having wrote this, uh, uh, this book of Acts, says here, and bearing in mind that he also wrote the Gospel of Luke, he says, The former uh, treatise, treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and to teach, until the day which he was taken up, after that uh, he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen." To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of, of, of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, uh, which saith he, uh, you have heard from me. Uh, for John truly baptized with water or, or in water. Uh, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days hence. And so uh, there's a preparation here coming that the Holy Spirit is going to come. And chapter two is a very explosive chapter uh, with the fact of that coming. In verse six, he says, when they therefore were to, uh, come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? Now, this is a very important statement that's made here early on because it shows you where their minds were. They're not waiting for the coming of the Holy Spirit and all of these things that are going to happen as far as the church is concerned. What are they waiting for? They're waiting for everything that every little Jewish boy and girl as they're growing up and they're taught in church are taught to wait for the kingdom to be restored on earth. And so they want to be a part of this kingdom. And so he says to them in verse 7, uh, unto them, it is not for you to know the times, speaking of chronological times, or seasons, which the Father hath put in his power. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, and all of Judea, and all of Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So you see here a really a built-in uh, uh, look at how the gospel is going to spread. It's going to be there in Jerusalem. It's going to spread out to all the region of Judea. And if you look at it on a map, uh, Jerusalem obviously is a city. Judea would be kind of the region, or you could say uh, like a province that we, we are a part of, as you look at Florida. And then all of or into Samaria, which is a little, little bit further, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And so the gospel is going to spread out. Uh, now, this is said here, and you would think just time-bound, uh, just in their time. Well, you see that we're recipients of the fact that the gospel is spread out uh, unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Uh, in verse 9, it says, And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, uh, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven... Uh, as they went up, behold, two men stood by in white apparel, which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which was taken up from you into heaven, shall so, or really here you could say in the same manner that he was taken up, uh, in, in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Uh, 
excuse me, I skipped over a part of the verse there. So which uh, was taken up from you into heaven shall so come uh, in like manner as you have seen him uh, go into heaven. So this becomes a very important verse when you're talking about uh, there being a rapture and a second coming and a distinguishment between those things. Uh, a lot of people will say that the second coming uh, is uh, the rapture. It's a lot of people will think in the middle of the tribulation period is going to be the rapture. How do we know that there's going to be a rapture prior to the tribulation period? Well, <laughs> yes, Brother Don, I agree. <laughs> that was a good answer. <laughs> Always lean back on scripture. Yeah, that's why. We have several. <laughs> yeah. And so why is this like manner here very important to the coming of the Lord? Why do I emphasize that like manner there? Where did he leave from? Did he leave from the air? Was he hovering on the, uh, in the air and then just ascended out? Or did he leave from the ground? And it says he's going to return in the same manner which he left. And so if he returns in that same manner, that means his feet are going to touch the ground again. So that second coming is a physical going up and a physical coming down. As we see those things that refer to the rapture, we're caught up into a meeting with him where? In the air. And so it has nothing to do with him coming back to the ground. It says we're going up to meet him. And so we understand that there's two totally different events uh, that are mentioned here. Um, in verse 12, it says, Then uh, they return uh, unto him from the mountain called Olivet, uh, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. Now, what you see here as a result of him going away is that they are still not settled on what they're supposed to be doing. Right. And you're going to see it here uh, with the choosing of another apostle. They don't even know whether they should choose another apostle or not. So they go back to some scripture in the Old Testament to say, yeah, we should fill this uh, Judas's position. And so we see this here in verse 13. And when they were come in, they went up into the upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew and James, son of Alphaeus. And Simon Zelotes and Judas, the brother of James. Now, uh, they are at least meeting now and they're in the same place and they're they're talking these things over. They're not gone fishing, uh, but they're still not uh, resolved as what they're supposed to be doing. In verse 14, these all uh, continued in one accord in prayer and supplication uh, with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. And verse 15, and in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the numbers of, of, of names together were about uh, 120 men and brethren. This scripture must have been fulfilled with the Holy Spirit by the mouth of David uh, spake concerning Judas, which was a guide to them that took Jesus uh, for he was numbered with us and had obtained part in this ministry. Interesting thing here uh, that, again, what's been stated before, they saw no difference between Judas and them, right? He was just acting and doing in the same way that they were until he betrayed the Lord. And so it's an interesting thing here that he, 
He just uh, was able to go about and do the same things that they could. In verse 18, now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity, or really they're a word for unrighteousness, and falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst, and all his bowels gushed out. Now, very graphic there of, of what happened to Judas that you won't see in any other place. Uh, but he, he met his demise in a, in a bad way. In verse 19, and it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem, insomuch as the field is called in their proper tongue, a keldama, and that is to say the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his habitation be desolate and let no man dwell therein and his bishopric or his office, let another take. And so uh, based on this scripture, uh, Peter is going to make a decision here and going to consult together with the others to say, hey, we need to fill uh, this office of Judas uh, to go forward. Verse 21, wherefore of these men, uh, which, excuse me, wherefore of these men, which have accompanied with us all uh, the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John unto the same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness uh, with us uh, of his resurrection. And they appointed two, Joseph called Barsabas, and uh, surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of men, uh, show whether, or, excuse me, show whether of these two hath thou chosen. Now, it's interesting uh, to me here, and I've never found the answer to it. Maybe one of our <laughs> other uh, pastor teachers knows. They prayed about this, and then they're basically going to gamble for who, who, who is the one. <laughs> very, very interesting that they were relying on God, and then they cast lots for who was actually going to be the one. I've never... <laughs> and so, uh, in verse... Uh, well, I lost my place there. Beginning from John the Baptist, verse 25, excuse me. Uh, it says they uh, that he might take part in the ministry of the uh, and apostleship from which Judas uh, by transgression fell uh, that he might go uh, to his own place. And they gave forth their lots and the lot fell on Matthias and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. And so you see, it's not uh, I think it's very important to hear the emphasis that it wasn't by the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit hadn't come. And I wonder if that's why this is in Scripture. Uh, but we see that they chose just based on chance who was going to be numbered among them. Uh, and the interesting thing to me is that you don't see this individual that they chose participating in things after this point. This is really the last time. And correct me if I'm wrong. I don't recall seeing him in any other <laughs> of, of Scripture after this point. And so if he was really meant to be an apostle, it was by name only almost, unless there's things that he did that we don't, we don't know about. Uh, but we see here, uh, right before the coming of the Holy Spirit, their last act was to choose this individual uh, to be in a place, and really not to choose him. Go, go ahead, Brother John. I think, too, when you look at verse 6, where it says, so since you will restore, if you look at it, it's the first part of a conditional statement. It's since you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel, and he stopped and didn't answer that. So, mm -hmm. I mean, they're not asking him, are you going to do it? They're saying, since you're going to do it. So mm -hmm. that, they're that convinced. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. And so that would look to the fact that, uh, uh, again, they were anticipating that they were going to be a part of the kingdom. Now, it's awful interesting. Uh, we see the different expectation of Paul when we come into the epistles. His expectation is toward the rapture to occur while he's or in his lifetime. And it's a similar expectation to what Brother Don was just saying there concerning these people, that they're expecting that this kingdom is going to come. And so, uh, again, as we're looking through uh, these differences, you're going to see that, that there had to be a mind shift from people that were all their lives looking and expecting a certain thing. Now, imagine anything that you guys are a part of in your life. Imagine that you've been doing that all your life. Maybe it's a, a discipline of some kind, maybe an educational discipline. Maybe there's uh, uh, some expectations that you have concerning other things. I'm drawing a blank as to, to what. What's that? Software. software development. Brother Scott was a software developer. And, and you have a certain construct in your mind of how things are supposed to go because you've been doing this for so long. And then things change like that. Isn't it going to take a little time for your mind to get to a place where you're uh, totally in tune with how things are supposed to go? I know software development is probably a good example because things are. Let's say Scott jumped back into software development now. <laughs> he might know how to do it to an extent, but a lot of things have changed since he was doing it before, right? And so there wasn't that opportunity for him to learn the different things that are changing till he gets to the point where he is now, where he can function just like a software developer that's been doing that. Uh, and so as you see with these people, their, their, uh, their thing that they revert to is back to what they know. And you're going to see it as it comes to Acts chapter 15. What do they tell the, the, the believers that are Gentiles who have never been under any quality of law? They give them these couple little things from the law that they need to do, right, in order to, to maintain their present tense salvation. Why? Because they didn't know how to live it themselves. And so we're going to see, uh, again, there's, there's a change, there's a shift, and it took time. As you go through this whole book of Acts, uh, I, I don't know that you see uh, many people who are living it outright. Even Paul, what does he do? He wants to go back to Jerusalem. <laughs> Every time he goes into a new city, where does he go? He goes straight to the synagogue. And so we, we see that it took a little bit of time for these guys to get to where they needed to get to. Uh, we have the, the blessing and the privilege of having scripture where we have hindsight and we can look back on these things concerning these men. And so it's a very tragic thing when you see people that are living out a confusion of the book of Acts. I uh, hate to pick on my company, but what is the whole model of our, our, uh, our ministry based on? It's based on the book of Acts. Sharing. And so everyone had everything in common, right? And so they shared what they have with one another. We as believers should be sharing our resources for our medical needs. This is all that it's based around. What do uh, different people that have misgivings about tongues and, and the purpose of the use of the spiritual gift of tongues, what is their misconception? It's based around the fact that they think that there's a need for God to be validated in what he's doing. Further and above the Holy Spirit that we already have that shows us spiritually 
what we need to do. Why do people think that we need apostles today? Apostle so-and-so. <laughs> well, I think there's a little bit of pride in it myself, but uh, as you look at these people, why do they think that they can do these things that Scripture does for us? Scripture validates everything that God has said, everything that God wants us to do. And uh, where the, the Scripture can't fill in those blanks for us, the Holy Spirit is able to take up the rest of that. We're going to see that these people didn't have that understanding. They didn't have this whole scripture that's been completed. And it was a lot more difficult for them to be able to, to function in the early days of the church. And so uh, if we do go through and go through with this complete study, that's the kind of things we'll be looking at. I, I think we're going to. It's just a matter of me completing a couple other things. Uh, but just wanted to look at a preview of that uh, today. Uh, next week, we're probably going to look at another uh, piece of, of this and then move into the study the following week if, if we continue on with it. Uh, but with that, let's bow in a word of prayer and we'll close out. Father, we're grateful for this day. Uh, we're grateful again for your grace. We're grateful that you've given us the, the big picture uh, of everything that's going on here. Uh, and, and we appreciate the fact that those that were uh, in the early church didn't have a lot of what we have today. Uh, and we are blessed to be able to have uh, your completed word uh, as well as a good understanding of how the Holy Spirit operates in our lives to be able to uh, lead us to those things that you desire. So we pray that as we go into the uh, afternoon, uh, that again we be uh, open-minded to uh, what your word has to say, that the, the Holy Spirit might be able to amplify those things and and we might be able to be productive for you in these lives. We pray that in your son's name. Amen.